This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. You're in your fifth I'm just trying to focus you. Yeah, I remember you see today. Yeah. It's a it's a great uh pleasure. Uh, I believe this is the third year in a row that was open to have around uh Lapiansky Shlikov. I actually happened to have uh, heard the three and spaded of his brother-in-law, uh, I actually was passing by Ramat Chemish one day, and I heard your voice, and I stopped to hear the Hespit. And then I also heard the Hespit uh, in the area of the Mir Yeshiva. And I heard the third Hespit I heard as well on a tape that someone gave me in my car. And uh, really, it was um, absolutely uh, moving, each one of them, each one of the Hespitim that I heard. But in general, Rabiansky is the Yeshiva in uh, Silver Spring, uh, Washington, and... Um, Maryland, actually, not sure which state it belongs to. I think it's Maryland. Maryland, Maryland. Um, whatever the case is, uh, he's really an outstanding role model for um, many, many people. And uh, really, uh, I still am amazed that Rabbi Piazzi left Eretz Israel. I still can't get over it. Uh, and he left Eretz Israel, where he <coughs> clearly is a integral part of the Mir Yeshiva. He left Eretz Israel, and uh, he went to establish the Yeshiva in Chutzlaret become part of Yeshiva and Chutzlaret and really he's had the tremendous Hatzlacha and all those who really have the, are considering learning in a small Yeshiva which has really beautiful contact with Rabbeim and Yeshiva with the Rosh Yeshiva really uh, it's Kedai to get to know Rav Lapiansky and Baruch Hashem Tehu Zohar to a Q&A question and answer session so feel free to ask questions in any particular area that you may desire and I'm sure you'll be uh, quite uh, satisfied with the responses you're going to receive First, let me just add uh, that David himself raised a question, and uh, I, I think it's fair enough to give an answer about leaving Eretz Yisrael and uh, It's he actually asked the Veloshim Tmiya. He said he's amazed, and, and I, I do want to share a sentiment. It's a personal thing, obviously. I was in Eretz Yisrael, Zochut, we had so 25 years, and uh, most of my children live in Eretz Yisrael, and you know, it's obviously it's not easy to leave. I just want to share in a, one minute just. Uh, when I made up Lucas of Isaac Hutzlaritz, I had very mixed feelings about making Lucas of Isaac Hutzlaritz. You know, Sim Chazuma Osef, if you left that to stroll to a house in Hutzlaritz. <laughs> well, there was a lot of food, so I should have benched, I should have washed, there was a lot of brachas involved. But, uh, and I, I just, it, it's, you know, we're learning the Sedris, the Kleist on the Midbur, and there was a certain. Um, guiding principle of Alpi Hashem Yachna, Alpi Hashem Yisu, and it says, Kivin, the Gemara says, Kivin Alpi Hashem Yachna, Hashem Yisu, command the Kvi Damya. And it was, my, my beliefs are that Shevet Levi, which means the people who've undertaken to be involved in Harbatsis Torah and so on, th- their mission is akin, they don't have a Nachla because their Nachla is Hashem which means that sometimes you have to take a longer trip than you want, and to maybe a place that, that's not, I mean, Baruch Shem, I was still in the wonderful place, but I'm saying, you know, if, if the calling arises, you need to be prepared to leave Yerushalayim and go wherever. You need to be sure that that's where Hashem sent you. But once, we have, once that piece is in place, 
um, the calling of going out, and it's something I think it's a challenge for our door. Living at Israel is one challenge, but people who live in very big Torah centers, people who live in Lakewood, um, New York, and then they sometimes have to make a choice to go out of town where there are lesser ruchnistic accommodations. There's also an, uh, an element of trying to figure out if, if there's a sort of a, a divine call to do it. And that's an Israel of Hashem So I just wanted to add that point. Aha, aha, good. Uh, was your, was your, he was uh, from the Gaini Mir. Yes, okay, so. Who's taking the questions? Who's the moderator? Who's the uh, just question? Okay, fine. So he's a local. He's from the area. He's Fairfax, Virginia, falls under the jurisdiction of Michigan, Washington. So we're, we're good to go. We actually have um, one of the things we do is we have a program once a week in his area in the Chabad where we learn boys learn chavrusas, shiurim, and things like that. It's, it's, and quite a few of the boys have come to the yeshiva, so it's, uh, it, it is a very strong cash, yes. This may be controversial with regards to, because a lot of band do this, but why the black hat? Is it more a minhag from ancestry, or is it more, for a lot of people, just a way to show your shkach, uh, or which way you lean? Okay, um, so the, the, let's, I mean, you fixed on the black hat. I don't think many people wear a longer suits today, unless they're very in a very suit-oriented career. Um, I don't think many people say don't wear captains and so on. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the items of Lavush and, and the general Ashkaf. One element was... Anytime there's a change, wh- why do we dress in fashion? Because, you know, everyone's got their closet of clothing, and there's a certain sense of wanting to belong in society. If something is out, then wearing it is a statement that you're a misfit, that you got your clothing at a thrift shop. There's a certain statement where you're not keeping up, or you're clueless. You know, there's always, in every, in every, in every suit store, there are those light yellow and pinkish striped suits that you always wonder who is the guy who buys this stuff and there's always a guy who buys it, he's, he's identified by that so we're, we're dressed a certain way and it changes by Hasidim especially there was a strong sense of being cut off from society to the point that it really doesn't make a difference and we don't want to be in step that was the attitude of the Hasidic community and in some ways a little bit also what we call the yeshivish community. But the yeshivish community, and what we call the Litvish, did adapt more, short jackets and so on, <coughs> but certain items were felt to have inherent value. A hat, until 40, 50 years ago, I still remember um, when every, every important person in a picture wore a hat. President Truman, if you're, for, for those of you who know that America had a president called Truman, um, Eisenhower, Kennedy was the first president who didn't wear a hat. He was also the first president who had hair. You know, for, for, <laughs> that was might have been part of the sheet. It was he actually had a, a beautiful mane of hair to show off. Whereas Eisenhower, to um, to the best of my abilities to discern, seemed to be totally bald. Truman probably wasn't much more, but but it, but it was considered to be well dressed. It, it's it's certain a certain of wearing a hat in halacha. 
um, wearing a, a, a yarmulke, in covering your hair, it seems needs more than a yarmulke. So, so, so in a certain halachic vein, the yeshiva community has stuck to a hat for Dvarim Shabbat for Brav, stuff like that. In, in the sense of expressing itself, because it was a sign of nechbadus, whereas taking off the hat, in other words, one of the things Kennedy projected was a much more casual look rather than a stiff, formal look. The sensitivity of the community was the stiff formality is part of nechbadus. So it reflects on, in a very specific area, some halachic, um, some halachic point. And in another area, it expresses a certain um, sense of how, you know, what is it we're trying to portray or project. That's sort of where, where, what it is. Yes? Um, what are your feelings on what's going on now in Israel with the whole push for separate buses versus separate seating on buses versus mixed buses? So, first of all, let me tell you, I guess, an, an anecdote. I, I, I lived in Arzuch, lived in so 25 years. From 1970, when I finished high school, I did Shana Aleph, and I did Shana Chafei 25 years later. <laughs> it was, the, the Mir has a 25-year program for the people that don't do the full course. So, so, I, so 95, 96, I'm there. In those 25 years, I can't tell you how many issues were there. But I was sitting with somebody, um, a guest of ours, and he told me, he was older than me, a good 20 years old than me, and he told me he'd learned that song in the 50s. He said he doesn't remember when it was exactly, but he remembers that there was a big tumult about something, a big issue, and posters all over the walls. So I told him, that's easy. It could have been 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, and so on. There's always a very strong sense of things. And the reason is... I do think, one, people in Israel who settled in Israel, across the board, whether from or secular or anti-from, had very strong shittas. Notice, people came to Israel for ideals, whether it was um, Shomatsayir ideals, whether it was revisionist ideals, whether it was from ideals to kind of be as strict as possible as you know, as fulfilling uh, so on and so forth. So it tended to produce a drive in different directions in extreme. You know, it's part of nature. Even forget about the religious secular debate. In my days, and today it's not as sharp, but in my days, the left-wing, right-wing debate was extremely acrimonious. Now, as, as in the Hasidic communities and the yeshiva communities in Israel, there are no situations where you push and crush together with men and women together. Um, it's not something that halachli is the, is the most appropriate thing. Rabbi Moshe has a tshuva for people who use the New York subways, which, I mean, are pretty, pretty awful. Just, I mean, if it's, 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 a, it's, a, I mean, it's really dense and packed together. And, you know, he's, he, listen, he, he's moderate because there are not, no other choices. If, if, if you can have it in a way that, you, you know, when buses get crowded and you're not crushed against a woman, it is right. How much should you make that a public agenda? How much should that become, yeah, you know, in, in a way where you create so much tension? I don't know. That's an answer that I have certain feelings myself. But in other words, I, I feel I feel a lot more comfortable. I don't feel comfortable in a bus 
when I'm squashed together with men and women together. I don't think it's logically right. Um, on the other hand, the extreme version of where if, if God forbid a lady with two little kids gets on the wrong bus because she's been sitting in the, in, in the heat outside or in the cold outside, t- that that should become a, a, a jihad, I also think is, is really bad. So I, I agree, I sympathize with, with the sense of it that there should be a natural separation and, and people shouldn't be in a position that's very Nazistic. But on the other hand, I obviously feel um, the, the acrimony you engender when you, when you make it into a very, very mean type of confrontation is bad. That's what I feel. Yes? So,
So I told him, I hear, but we have so much of Torah that's us, and it's unclaimed. Um, Yerushalmi is part and part of our neshama. It's a complementary Talmud to Babli. And the Rambam seems to have taken a fair amount of halachas. It's definitely an important project. The hesitation that I hear from you, which I think has in itself some value, is A, is you showing me something that should be learned by people who are not um, fluent enough in the Hebrew? Because Bavli is Gufo Torah. Yushalmi is an adjunct. We go to the Yushalmi sometimes to help us understand the Bavli, where there's a lacuna in the Bavli, where the Rambam chose to, to pass Yushalmi over the Bavli, but it's not something that is really, if somebody has time to convey to Motorah, we would not suggest Yushalmi. And somebody who's learning full-time and has the time to put into it should not need an art school at that point. You know, it, so I might have, I like the fact that someone has made an effort to bring your Shalmi closer home and redeem it, so to speak. Uh, I think it's been done in Hebrew, and enough Farshim have come out to make it accessible to a Talmud Chachem. Whether or not this is something that should become widespread to Hamona Am, not, not there's anything wrong with it, but is it important? The question is, what was the alternative? The money would have been used to take kids and be macarred and kids that are really out in no place and bring them closer. Maybe that would have been better use. Maybe the person had a special reason what they show me. So, A, I feel positive that we've made a step to bring back a part of Torah. I'm just not sure if English was the right was the right answer for that. Yes. Back. Um, okay. I got somebody in the back. Um, I was going to ask if you already have a sufficient amount of money, do you think it's still necessary to have a job and do something and like? Working in the world and very secular subjects, you think you should dedicate your entire life to like learning Kabbalah? Um, we should all have the problem. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with wishing. But I want, I want, I want to get. A, I, I do want to address that, that issue seriously. Um, it, it's work. People should not see. Revolva has. And I, I think there's very. One of the things we learned about in yeshiva is. Um, Revolva has Sfarim that are extremely structured in terms of his first Sefer, his first part of the Sefer deals with what a yeshiva is and different elements of it. And then in the back, the fourth part deals with going out in life and having a broader perspective. And one thing he deals with is a person's job, but he doesn't use the word job. The word he uses appropriately is tafki. A person needs to ask himself, why did Hashem put me in this world? Um, you know, if a person can be a very good doctor, that's something. A person can be a very good businessman if he's, and, and use money to produce a lot more good than he could do in his own right. A person it could, is, can have a very good and deep head and learn and, and create tremendous amounts of Torah. Um, all of these, all of those are things that a person needs to ask himself. Having money and being jobless is a recipe a lot of times for disaster. There's a Gemara Exubis, I'm sure you're, many are familiar with it. There's a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, what are a woman's duties at home? And the Mishnah lists them. Obviously, they're not relevant today. We don't, we don't even know what they are, most of them. Um, very few of, of our wives, we hope our wives will spin wool into thread. Not, not that I think, but it's, it's, it, the Mishnah goes through all the things that they do. It says, if you're wealthy enough that you can afford help, X amount of help, this falls off. And more and more. But there comes a point 
where the Mishnah says, even if he has money to bring in a hundred servants, she must do this, this, and this. And the Mishnah is two girsos. The one brings two girsos. Why? One is because sitting empty-handed c- makes a person crazy. And the second one is because it brings a person to Avera. When a person is home, bored, and doesn't have what to do with themselves, they either develop mental emotional problems, or they begin looking for trouble. And a lot of the, a lot of the, the most of the people on drugs are more people on drugs are there because they have too much money than they have too little money. It's 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 unfortunate when people are bored. A person never should be in a position if his learning. Uh, uh, there was a, in the Mir Yeshiva, the Rosh Hashiva was Reb Yudel, and Reb Yudel was the founder of the Yeshiva in Yisrael. He was the Rosh Yeshiva, and he always demanded demanded from Bachrim more learning. He never was happy. Always, if you knew a hundred blot, he would grumble and say, when I was your age, I knew two hundred blot. If, if you had a shtickle Torah, he would say, when I was your age, I already had a safer. You know, he was always demanding and pushing and, and really, really getting a lot out. So someone told me, he went down, you know, when you get the exemption from the army draft, from, it's called Torah um naso, meaning your profession, your, your trade is Torah. So he looks at it, it's very kind of, you know, very, like, looks at the first time. So he reads it, hmm, he says, the Mishnah says that a woman is meaning the definition of a craftsman or trade is someone that improves something. He takes wood and makes a table out of it. You need to, it's a tradesman is not someone that just takes something, buys and sells it. You've got to actually create some sort of improvement in it. So he said, maybe the army holds that umen kainen that in order to be considered a tradesman, you have to actually have made some improvements. I need to hear from you a shtickle Torah to see if you actually have some input that, that created something. You know, a, a person needs to feel creative. A person needs to feel that he's accomplished. Um, and, and that's a, it's an important personal decision that a person needs to speak of with a rough in that case. Sitting and doing nothing just because you have money even if you're quote-unquote learning, if you're quote-unquote learning, then you're not learning. And it's not a trade. It's not, it has to, the learning has to be at the level of this is your life's calling. Ashray a person that has that. But, but, but if a person is kind of just floating because he has the, the luxury of money, that's a terrible thing. Yes? Okay, sorry. Good. Yeah, good. Um, so, being in yeshiva, your um, fortunes here are a lot different opinions from different rabbis. Yeah. Whether, for example, you know, you should learn all day, or you should, you know, go get a job, or you should live in Israel or not live in Israel. How is one supposed to reconcile these different opinions? Because I mean, God is a plan for us, and God, there's always an optimal way that we should live our lives. But a lot of these different opinions can be kind of be contradictory. How can they're all coming from very reputable sources? Right. Um, so let me let me um, let me sort of give a parallel to it, and then let's explain. How, do we, how we can apply it. In the old days, people were born into tribes. And every tribe had a dominant calling. So Zvulun was Alchof Yamim, and Asher was Shemena Lachmo, and, and Levi was, was Meshach Hashem. Each tribe had its own calling, and the way it worked was by inheritance, just the children were kind of of the same nature, and so on and so forth. At some point later, the, the Goyen says in Mishlei, that people would go ask a prophet what their calling should be. And he would tell them. 
We don't have that. A person needs to choose a derech. In other words, this is the first year, I assume, that you've been exposed to so many different shittas, rabbanim, etc., and so on. And all of it is true, but the question is, where do you belong? And, you know, when a person, by the time a person finishes his formative years, he should feel that he's part of a certain tzibur, part of a certain kehillah. Um, for myself, it's the yeshiva world in general, and the mere in particular is, is my tzibur, my kehillah. Another person grab, might gravitate to yeshiva university, and if he finds a, um, a, a person, a rav, that by and large he feels this is his derech, you listen whether, whether it's easy or whether it's, or whether it's difficult. Once you feel this is your derech, there are going to be decisions that you have to make that you don't like, but, but you can't pick and choose on individual things because then you're cheating. But you can choose. A person might be nimshat chsidis, and, and he finds in ger the warmth, the fire, and the enthusiasm for Yiddishkeit that's real, and he becomes a ger chassid. It has to be with a real evaluation of where you belong. Um, in chsidish job <coughs> used to be where your shayrish of neshama is. And then you have to be prepared to follow it all the way, because on the details, you're cheating if you, if you say, okay, I'd like to do this like them, this like them, that's the other one, that doesn't work. But, but you need to find what speaks to you and, and where you belong. Yes? Well, so how do you know you're doing it for the right reasons? Because it's very easy to pick a different shikha based on convenience. Like, so that was a good example that you see a lot of fire in the city. What are exactly the right, what should you be looking for when you're finding your you, you should feel a group of people that you feel are B'nai Aliyah, a Rav, a Manhig that you feel is Emis, and you know, and is recognized as such. If everybody else thinks that this person is off the wall, and you, you, you know, then, then you should, you have immediate rebbeim, Baruch Hashem, well qualified to be madrich you, and tell you what's reasonable and what, and you know, what what are things that are crazy or that don't make sense for you, or just a momentary exuberance or a momentary weakness. And and that, listen, there's nothing else that Hashem will only ask of us what we can do. Nobody can know for sure. But if, if we're really honest with ourselves, and it's a process, anything that you do in an instant is possible. Anything that's a process over time, and you speak with Rebbeim that you respect and trust, which Baruch Hashem you have here, and they will help guide you, um, you know, towards a, a direction that's appropriate for you. And that's Emes. Uh, yes? So, luckily a lot of us will have the chance to go to Poland. By, um, around Pesach time. Right. And recently we just had a pre-Poland. By the way, my mother's from Poland and she doesn't think it's so lucky to go there. So <laughs> I, 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 okay, <laughs> yes. We're so to go yes. back and, uh, yes. and see. Everything. Yes, but, um, it is a great, yes. Whatever it is. So, we had a pre-Poland talk about why go back to the camps. Yes. And in your opinion, why go back to the camps? Go ahead. What? I think you're assuming no, I, I, well, I, I do. I, if you do. <laughs> no, no, I, I think in general, um, it, there's a concept called no sebolum chavero, which means if a tragedy or difficulty strikes any part of Kali Yisrael, um, you need to feel part of it. You, you, your reaction to somebody else's house caving in shouldn't be, Baruch Hashem, my house is sound. And it's not going to cave in. That shouldn't be a reaction. Reaction should be. I mean, th- this is this is an incredible churban, where you know, a, um, a Klal Yisrael, 
Kalisol was destroyed in a horrendous way. The idea of being part of it, understanding that whether you like it or not, you're a son of that tragedy, you're part of it, um, I think is a tremendous bonus. More than anything else, to, 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 you know, to, to feel that way. I, I have something that I speak about every Tisha B'Av. The Siva B'Av stays around pretty much the summer. And Tisha B'Av, I, I always, when I get to the Kinnis about the Crusaders, there's a filler that we say once a week that's the most maligned filler. It's a filler that, you know, if I need to pick a time when I should step out for a minute, it's obvious halachically this is the best time to step out. And that's Avarachmim. Avarachmim, no is to be mafsik, no kedusha. it's the latest of, of all the fillers. Anything you want, any, any, any hat that you want for talking, schmoozing, going out for a moment, that's the right time. But Avarachmim is a filler that was made to remember what it was like when Kehillas were destroyed as Kehillas. And I want you to use your imagination a little bit. Look around a shul. Look around a community of a few hundred people with kids laughing, running around, a kiddish waiting, women coming to pick up the kids. And as a Kehillah, the entirety being shechted out chas v'shalom. That's Avarachmim. You know, every Shabbos we we sit down for a moment. Shabbos is is the time for the kehillah. It's the time for everybody to be together, and it's the time when you get the beauty of the kehillah. You know, the kids and the, and and the husbands and the wives and 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 the the, the, the niceness of the kehillah. And this was butchered and butchered and time and again. And you need to sit and remember it. I, I mean, after I spoke about it, I have a very hard time. And I try to figure out how luckily what's the next best place if I, if I need to step out. But, but it's, it's really something, we're not, Baruch Hashem, we grew up in a society where, where very little was missing. If God forbid we were the third on the block to get the iPad, then, then, then we have real sense of being, of suffering life. That's, that's, the, that's as far as we go. But, but understand, 50, 60 years ago, going back hundreds of years, being butchered out was, was a, there's a Sefer, it's by, written by somebody, Bernfeld. It's called Sefer to Maos. It is three thick volumes like this. Literally, I have it at home. Um, I couldn't buy it. I can't afford to collect these items. I, I, I ran it off Elsa Hochman, bound it because I wanted it. Three volumes, listing personal accounts of every Gzeira and Redifa and Sir that hit Kalah Yisrael. Only. What's fascinating about it is the Hakdama. The Hakdama is that, you know, when I sat down to write this, I thought that all this butchery and barbarity had come to an end, and, the, and, and you know, now we have a civilized world and a new world, and things are different, and, you know, and, and yet... We still have all the things like this going on, and who would think that in a modern, civilized world, this could still be happening? Signed, Berenfeld, 1924. 1924. He didn't know that the next ten volumes were about to be written. And this is three volumes this thick. And you can run off, if you have a Chachma, you can, you can find it, and it, it's mostly first-hand material. And this is 1924, where he says, I can't imagine that in the 20th century, which is civilized, 
Um, there'd be pogroms in the early 1900s here and there, the other thing. This is us. This is our grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. And being oblivious to it is a terrible, terrible thing. And I think it's important to be part of it. Um, you know, that's... And, and, and to, to, no old more than anything else. If, if you see somebody else, no old doesn't mean you have to help the person alone. If, you, if, if you're going through a terrible tukuf and the other person is happy, go lucky, hi, what's going on? Good... You know, here's some other time for you. A person's going through a terrible operation, and it's life and death, or it's his beloved one, or whatever. And a guy breezes by and says, hi, what's doing? Well, I have so, you know what, I'll hear about it later. I, I, you know, I, I'm on my way to concert. See you. Bye. What would you feel about the person? I mean, this is, this is where we are, and we need to see ourselves as part of a, something much bigger. And I think going to there, just thinking about how many children, and how many people, and how much of us, they're all, they were all us. And we're part of that branch. And to think about it, close your eyes, and to imagine it and understand what it means. And then, and then to see the floor Sabori, that 60 years later, Kalisol's never had it so good, and we're flourishing. I always point out, any intelligent person, if you ask him in 1945, what's the future of Kalisol, and especially Torah jury, anybody with a drop of seichel in his mind would say, gone, history, next. Eastern Europe was gone. Eretz Yisrael was a fragile, fragile little nothingness, barely surviving. That's the truth. Um, America was on the way assimilating out. Conservative Jewry was about the best America had. Orthodoxy was on the way out. I mean, I know from Rabbanim who became conservative, because they were convinced nothing would happen. Reform is, is the best that, that would happen. And conservative would be ultra-Orthodox someday. That, that, was, you know, that was the feeling. That was it. And 60 years later, we, we have buildings and neighborhoods and cities and yeshivas, 10,000, 5,000. I mean, numbers are incredible. You know, think about it. It's, it's, if, you, if you take a little time and, and digest it, it's incredible. Yes? So, um, in the in the chinuch that I grew up with, um, and again, I, you know, like he said, there are different approaches. The chinuch I grew up with, the most important criteria for determining where to learn would center around the quality of the learning. It happens to be, and maybe for many other reasons, that as a stroll, by and large, has that, that quality. An environment like this, that's created, well, I think it's a revolution for, for, for much of American boys out of high school, a lot of it has to do with the stroll. It's, it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's not in America. You know, it's, it, today, with, 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 with the, everybody's everywhere at the same time, I, I, it's taking away from it. But, so I see it, the chinef the, the I have, and the Ashkaf I have is the quality of learning is an important piece, and all the other factors need to fit into place. Um, obviously, if it's if it's fairly close, it's a strong and that's has a mila. But if a person has a reasons why the learning would, would for him work out much better there, then my my sheet is my background would be the table chutzlaros. But by and large, it's a does produce terror like no other place. Uh, let me let me make it somewhere else. We have that. Anyone else? Yes. Um, if Professor Shalom, uh, Israel should 
or should we uh, should we uh, stay in America, or in or should we go back to America for safety? That is one of the most difficult questions, and I would say it's it's a question that you need to ask someone who knows you. If a person can make a meaningful contribution to the war effort, that would come first. If a person his, his contribution would be minimal, it's more for sure than anything else. And he, and he does sit and learn, he's serious, and, he, you know, and the source of prayer is certainly great, greatest. And then there are issues. If, if some parents, I mean, my parents, despite the fact that they were war survivors, and my father lost his wife and children, and my mother lost 10 out of 14 <coughs> siblings, when I was here in Kippur War, and the Kippur War was scary. I mean, we, we didn't think we'd win. I mean, at first, everyone, they told us we'd win, and then when they found out it was very scary, my parents uh, refrained from calling me because they were scared that it would influence me to go back home. They didn't want me to do that unless I really wanted to do it. They didn't want that I should do it for them. They felt if I want to stay in Israel, I should stay. But some parents can't handle that. And for you to do some minimal help here and devastate your parents, that would be wrong. So it's a, it's, it's a very tough question and it needs to be answered individually by somebody that wants to take a high school. And ho- hopefully we won't have that question. Yes? Uh, what exactly is the uh, process or um, maybe the halakhic reasoning or just the minhag behind wearing a jacket or not? So jacket also, in halacha there's, there's a begat alyon you know, where it's seen as being you know, it's formal attire universally includes more baguette and casual includes less baguette. The, the, the wearing a baguette that's sort of a shirt and an undershirt are seen as your personal garments. They're more there for yourself and the jacket is sign of the Rikbadis. When the Knesset has had these people just open the Knesset in undershirts basically and then they because of sort of a kibbutz mentality and that clothing is unimportant. Um, I don't remember how many years ago, it's 20 years now, you have to wear a jacket when you're sitting in the Knesset. My, my son was once on a tiyul with a family, with a very, very large family. Part of the family was very yeshivish, part of the family was very not yeshivish. Everybody from, but it was kind of the, a big range. And they came to a place, this person who was a very not yeshivish person got up to the Mincha. He was wearing shorts, sandalim, and whatever. This person is a highly accomplished person. He actually worked for Netanyahu as a, as a personal liaison of sorts in certain areas. And it's been done. And my son made some comment to him. And he got very defensive. And he said, you know, who says this? Who says that? Who says And my son asked him, let me ask one question. Would you walk into Netanyahu's office like that? And he thought a minute and he said, you're right. And I will never do it again. I was very impressed with the person. It was a, a real intellectual honesty. Um, a jacket, when you come to a formal occasion, you wear a jacket. Um, and, and we translate that into into uh, Omer Lefdamel. Yes? So you're saying that, maybe you're not saying this, but my question is... <laughs> <laughs> my question is why I'm not saying it. <laughs> no, 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 fine. Um, so I was also, I have a different discussion about today, but what happened when, you know, what if it were, I guess but what if it were that the... You took off, you I know, everybody were going to NASA wearing 
highlighter jackets or something you know, ridiculous? Does that mean that all of a sudden we're basing our halachic activity? And not only in this area, also in Shabbos, because you can't do a Shabbos because it's what? It, it, it's general modes of tra um, travel or something. You know, are, are we certain halachic sensitivities for instance the idea that putting on an outer garment has chashivas a formality is something that's almost built into the human psyche you go to Africa the chief has a big cloak that he puts around him it's an informal um, you know I, I, it's an informal research I, I can't tell you I've been an African gone to all the chieftains but when I see a picture of, of a chief he's always wearing some sort of garment to signify his chashivas so, so there's a sense in halacha that a beggar elyon is machshiv a person. Which color the stripes and so on is less. Is is, is less, and, and and that's not something that is. If society were to see bright yellow as being very formal, it's very possible that that would be the beggar. I don't know. I, I I don't know really. Yes. You want what to about for the female society where wearing less is more formal? What? What about for the female society where wearing less is more formal? It, it's not more formal. But it's acceptable. Again, wearing wearing a beggar, besides the problems of erva, which are which even in, in halachas like abstinence, we have two layers. You have one layer is certain things are halachically considered to be across the board, not sinua and so on. And then there are things that depend really on, on the place and the and the society's norms. So, so wearing less begadim past what is mutter not to wear is also for everyday reasons. It's still, the Queen of England wears very formal and you don't expect, it, it's sort of a scandal when they start wearing less. It's acceptable. It's not the shop that the formality lies wearing less. It's despite the fact that you, know, you can wear less, but it's it, not within itself a statement of Nechbatz. <coughs> so, what do you think about Yeshiva guys drinking on Purim? <laughs> what do you think about Yeshiva guys drinking on Purim? Well, Purim's coming up soon and we have, and I have a Yeshiva, so... Let me let me um, let me be honest and tell you where I think about it. I mean, by us Baruch Hashem, the boys are older, they're mature, they drink on Purim. They, they never, I mean, not never, but almost never does anyone go past a certain red line of becoming not irresponsible. I mean, we've limited our our policy has been. Two bottles of wine over the Suda period. No drinking at night before and nothing else but wine and with the Suda. It, it, it does, and I find that it enhances things when people who are Baledea, Bale Nefesh, drink and they're able to become in a, elevated. It's, it's an elevating experience. But many people don't have that. They're either not mature enough, they've got too much going on inside, they're, they're, they're looking for a quick thrill, they're, they're, they're gulping down a half a bottle of whiskey, and it, it, the answer to that is absolutely no. So it's a very tough one. I, I, again, I, I don't want to, I, I like to try to cut it as fine as I can. I see the value in drinking, and I see the dangers in it. And one needs to know who he is and what he is. If a person knows that he's not yet responsible, then your best thing is to stay away. If you can drink very responsibly, and again, halachically, wine is what's, what's supposed to be drunk, nothing else. And, you, and, the, and you're supposed to do it as part of the suda. It's not a drinking fest. And if a person, what comes out of his mouth, and what he does with himself, and, and what he projects of himself, 
is 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 um, the best of himself, then I think it's elevating. If not, it's not. And yes, so yeah. Just to follow up to the previous question about learning the next twelve verses. You're right. Uh, isn't there some other Bible which you kind of mentioned, but about um, we're trying to like maybe maybe not, maybe it's not the maybe it's not but trying to accomplish something here in Eretz Yisrael, like building Jewish communities and and getting all the Jews maybe to make Aliyah. I don't know if that's so again, my the general hashkafa that I was raised with was that Talmud Torah and the yeshiva world, my world, my yeshiva's world has made the most absolutely important thing is the, 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 the intensity and the devotion to learning that you can do. So it is important to build soul and it's good. But again, in, in, the, in, the, in the termination, th- that's been the way. I, you know, I, I, I know the yeshiva as it generally has a little bit of different ashkafa. So that's why I'm speaking as, you know, from my point of view. Did the Tanah themselves, the Moran, like, really, weren't they really strong about coming to Israel? They were, but, but the way it was translated in halacha is minimal. And it's, it's, it's hard to understand why or what happened. But in halacha itself, in Shaharach, you only find it in the context of a husband and wife disagreeing about where they should live. Um, it, 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 there were two reasons. Um, I don't want to go into that completely, but one was it was very hard. One of the reasons why the yeshiva, the, the black hat yeshiva community, as you want to call it, was moved back a step from yeshiva to Israel was because there was a strong pull of secular Zionism, which threatened to sort of overwhelm religious Zionism. The, the values of living in Israel as a from person would be swallowed up in just the big picture without the, without being able to have that sense of Israel that that early it has. So, so the Yeshivas have taken a step back. I don't know where it will settle in. And that's why it's hard to, to give more of a detail. Uh, somebody else? Somebody's, yes? Are Mishroshim and Doragadita meant to be taken literally? Um, they're meant to be taken extremely seriously. They, some of it is meant to be very literal, some of it is meant to be not at all literal, and some of it have double meanings. The problem is figuring out which is which. Um, what I'm telling you is the Ramchal's Shita, the Maral Shita, you can look at the, at the, at its, many um, Gaonim Shita. The, the dominant Shita is that the, that, that the, the Agarata is a mixture of things the, the, the Pasuk says in Mishlei, Divrei Chachamim V'chidosa. Mishlei is the words of Chachamim. Chidosam is translated erroneously as riddles. It's not a riddle. The right translation of a chida is a metaphor. In other words, something that means something else. The word riddle, chida, chidosi, by Shimshin, a riddle is a metaphor that you don't know what it means. Me'az Yatsa Masok is a metaphor which presents one picture and it means something else. A metaphor means where I'm using a picture to convey a message that's within that picture. So, so Chazal, the deeper things that Chazal taught us, they taught us through a metaphor. 
And, and you need to learn every piece of Agartha. You need to get a sense in Rishonim and Adolim Mefarti. Aren't, unfortunately, not enough on it. But the, uh, the morale is the one who made the biggest attempt to explain Agarthas, and he's written a tremendous amount and has most everything. And he guides you. Um, Lamashal, he, 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 he has, there's a story in the Gemara about a man whose wife died, and, and he grew breasts and fed his son. And the Gemara says, what an incredible miracle. And the Gemara says, no, it's a terrible thing because God shouldn't be making such great miracles for a person. So he asks, is this meant to be literal or not? It goes back and forth using other halachic sources. It goes back and forth. In the end, he says, no, it didn't happen literally. What it means is, Akarish Baruch Hu, um, he, he had him find food for his kid and figure out what to give his kid, eggs or milk, whatever. So he asks, so why is it such a big miracle? And he says something incredible. He says, for a father to be able to take care of a son is a great miracle. For fathers don't do well. I see the married ones are laughing and, and the Bachan don't get it. But the, 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 um, he says, it's a nace count in my sabratius that a father can raise a child. Um, it's something against the nature. But, but here you have an example of a Gadata where he's willing to consider both options. And he decides on, on, on just on grounds of, of looking at the Chazal, what it means. So they're meant to be taken very seriously. Chazal didn't play games. But whether they spoke in metaphor or literal, each place is different. Um, let's get somebody new. Um, well, <laughs> so let's, okay. Uh, you're a Talmud or Rebbe? Okay, well, can, I, can we get introduced? Okay, I've said it. Okay. Um, two things. The Rosh mentioned when he introduced the uh, other Rosh that um, that's uh, his brother-in-law. Correct. It would be a miss if we didn't uh, hear a few words of maybe what, of what we lost. And in general, what Rosh thinks in terms of the situation of losing, of, you know, the, a lot of the Gedolim being on the Seth Ashtay Sifim. What it means for us in general, how we should look at it, what we should do. So let me start with the flip side, more about Gedolim. Um, unfortunately, people have the impression that the purpose of Gedolim is to issue all sorts of statements or to ask them things and so on. I, I want to I present another picture. Um, I, I, had, I, I used to teach in Asia Torah for, for, for a few years, I taught about seven years there. And Reb Noach Weinberg, who was a giant in his own right, in, 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 what, in his vision and his self-sacrifice was incredible, was the Rosh Hashiva. A boy came into Yeshiva. Um, he, I don't know where he came from, I don't know how he came from, but when he was in Yeshiva, he, um, he wore a bangasha. <coughs> um, I think he might have had payas, <coughs> sunglasses and sneakers. And I, I, the rebellion were a little bit unhappy on that combination. And, they, and, you know, and he was stubborn about it. This is what he wanted to wear. And they went to Yisrael Noach. And Reb Noach said, if he's not willing to change, um, he should leave. You know, either or. He, either he wears tennis shoes, sunglasses, and shorts, or he wears a bekesha and pants and, and, you know, and, and black shoes. But not the way he's wearing. So someone asked him, he's not doing anything wrong. What's the problem? And he answered, Reb Noach said, extraordinary insight. He said, people don't change because of ideas. They don't change because of dry arguments. They change because they see people. You walk into a tzibur, and you see a tzibur 
that you like what you see, the quality, you identify, you would like to identify them, that makes you... All the arguments in the world, they help you with issues, but at the end of the day, a person makes a decision based on people. What does it look like when you put it on? A suit looks nice in the window until you put it on. He said, somebody normal that will walk into here and see this guy, he will make a U-turn and walk out. And he said, so he's a road agent. That was the way he put it. All the, all the lessons and all the learnings we do have an impact on us. It doesn't compare to the impact of seeing big people, living with big people. My, when I was 16, I was able to come from the yeshiva, and I finished high school. They didn't have any yeshivas with, with one-year programs or three-year programs. I mean, I was a big jump, but I came. And I saw Reb Nochum. And Reb Nochum's, just watching him learn, watching his thinking process, looking to see how he's immersed, looking at his, the glint in his eyes when he was saying a pshat, looking at the conviction, the passion that he's saying emes, made an impression on every single one of us of Avasatoru. Watching Reb Chaim Shulevitz, my father was a kind of Rafa, those were all things that left a profound impression because it was real. What it says in these, I believe Hashem said this, but do I really think people can act that way? No. But when you, you know, down deep, it's, it's, it's good, it's right, but we're humans and it's not that. But when you see somebody that's real and you sense Emerson in him, that's mashpia. Um, and, and therefore, big people, Kali's soul can only become as big as the role models that they have. And that's why it says, just having presence. Um, I, you know, people don't know Rabbi Yashiv and they can't know Rabbi Yashiv. He hasn't been public for many years. And the, all, the only smidges he gets is bits of politics in there. When I came to Israel, he answered Shilas. But it, it was amazing. First of all, he was a natural masmid. He is a natural masmid. Oh, was he is a natural masmid? And he would, used to learn in Meisharim in a, in a small shtibel, locked away most of the day. And you could see him from a window. And he sat with a Gemara. Never took his head out calmly going over the Gemara and the Rush and Tysis and the Rif and, and speaking it out and saying it over. They have videos of him a few, uh, a few months ago doing the same thing. He was exactly the same. He was always calm, always collected, always approaching everything with Seichel and Das. He, you know, people seem to know him as a Machmir. I, I mean, in, when I remember, he, he was able to be Mekel on many Shilas with extraordinary um, Chachma. He was able to approach my situations. Never lost, always would view it with what you see is, would, you would think it does Torah. He would always, he, he would never let himself get involved emotionally and always look what's the emiss and how should it work and what should go. And it was impressive. It, it left a relationship asking him a shayla, the seriousness that he took it with. That, so, so I, you know, Bar Hashem, we were Zohar to have people, I mean, it was unthinkable in my days to have people this age. I mean, in my day, somebody in his 80s was an old man. But Baruch Hashem was Zohar, and we should be Zohar more. But just understand the importance, because we'll never be bigger than a few exponents lower than the big people. And the, the, as long as we have big people, we have hope of being bigger. That's one part of it. Um, we spoke about my brother-in-law. I mean, my brother-in-law was a striking person, because when you look at Rabbi say, okay, he grew up in Yishalayim, his grandfather was the Leshem, he, he was kind of born at Sadek and Kadosh, and all the stories seem to go that way, so I admire it, but it's not me. 
my brother-in-law grew up American. It's America's apple pie. He grew up in Chicago, went to the modern school, and he had certain, he was not especially brilliant. He was intelligent, fine, but nothing, nothing special about him. He had some meals that were very special, and one of them was he always wanted to do what's right. He was a person whose sense was how hard it is is not important. The question is what's the right thing to do. He was a person that was never self-conscious. If he didn't know something, he would ask it over and ask it over. There was a complete emiss to him. One of the reasons why he was so effective when he spoke Musser, he, never, he didn't say brilliant Kedushim, but the, the sense of reality that came with it, and especially when his 20 years of being Roshiva was, was with terrible, terrible difficulties because of his Parkinson's, um, the fact that it was so real was very, very powerful. You know, when he said there is nothing sweeter than learning, you felt every fiber of his body said it. It wasn't a speech to be prepared. It wasn't the right thing to say. It was him. And um, those are those are tchunis that that I think apply to each and every one of us. Doesn't requires no talent and just the rutsen to do what's right, and the, the ability to persevere and to know that there's nothing important other than that. And it applied across the board when he needed to do from things and non from things. When he needed to draw back, when, the, the, um, you know, the, those are all very very. It, it was a, it was an extraordinary powerful tkufa. It's something that's still amazing. Yes. I've got who's not one second, Dibs. You know, let's have a few. Leif Kafmi, you know. In the Gemara, in Megillah, yeah. it discusses the translation of Torah and it seems as if uh, God gave Haskama to the translation, at least of Torah, to Uncle So, what gives, like, the Rosh or even as the right to disagree with the translation of the word if God has the Haskama ever? Good. Um, let me tell you a story I once heard from Yanko Galinsky. Um, he was a, he's a magi, still alive at Mevesim. He used to be very popular, and uh, it's all Yiddish, so it's not, not really Cecily, it's really Yiddish. Um, he said, it says by Rablaz ben Azariah, Haradi Kiman Shivim Shana, Melozochisi, Sheta Omar, and so on. And we say Nagada. So it says, the words are Kiman Shivim Shana, that he was going to become Rosh Hashiva, he was going to become Rosh Hashiva, when he was very young, and Akarashpoko made his beard white to show you, you know, to, to, that they made the right choice in taking him instead of Rabbi Yeshua and so on. So he asked, what's that introductory note important for? I mean, what, what does he have to introduce himself? Maybe if he'd say, I'm 70 years old, and I wasn't Zeichah, they should say, Kriyashma Valelos, until then, it means something. But what, what, what does it mean to say, I'm like 70, which means I'm 18, and I'm Lozachisi? So he said, imagine somebody would come to you with a halachic safer. With a safer with a halachic. And you disagree with a point. And you pull out a haskama from the Vilna Goyen on it. You would shut up. Let's say he pulls out a haskama from the Rambam. You would crawl on the table. Let's say Moshe Rabbeinu had a haskama on it. He said, Rebbe Lozabin Azariah had a haskama from Akadosh Baruch Hu. Akadosh Baruch Hu gave a sign that he's Roy to be Rosh Hashiva. And he said it made no difference. Until I couldn't prove it with a pasik, I wasn't accepted. Unkelis, that's, that's a, a marshal, but Unkelis belongs, Targum of Torah belongs to the Chalik of Torah that's called Torah Shabal Peh. And therefore it has different, it, it has 
the ability, it's one of the, it's one of the pirushim. There's a pirush of the balayat taimim. In other words, sometimes the way the taimim are written in the pasik gives it a different angle. There's room to say other pirushim. It's not the haskama that this is the only. It's a haskama that this is a pirush on Torah. It's the first pirush, but there's a mock to give other pirushim. Later on, for instance, Rashi will use sometimes Chazal to be mefarish the pasik, and the Ben and the Rashbam will argue on him. Not because they argue on the Chazal, but they hold this. It's not an exclusive pirush to the pasik. Pirush already belongs to Tershav Alpeh, and it's Sovel, Ayin, Parim, and so on. The Nusach of the, of, of the, of the Chumash itself is fixed. You know, Akash Prabhu gave one Nusach. Tershav Alpeh already has Memtes Parim, Memtes Parim, Ayin, Parim, and so on, and, and therefore there's Makram for other, for other Pirushim as well. Because the timing will also be Sinai. Yes, let me see if we have somebody new here, or... Oh. Panim Chadashas. This is a Panim Chadashas. We have Ayin Panim, we have a Panim Chadashas. Yeah. This every day at the Harav Nash, we're looking at Christmas, and the Torah is supposed to be sweet. So what exactly is that? Is it like an intellectual stimulation? Or is it something that's a lot higher than that? And like, how, do we, how do we accomplish it? Okay. Um, down deep, if you ask ourselves, what are the things that are interesting to us? A person picks up a newspaper. So one person looks at the sports section. I know I'm dating myself as saying you pick up newspaper because nobody does that anymore. But in the, on the old days, before there was an internet, people read a newspaper. You pick up a newspaper, one guy goes to the sports section, one guy opens to the stacks, occasionally somebody looks at the international news. In my days, the comics were very popular and so on. So each person has an akuda that speaks to him. If, if, if a person takes a safer and he doesn't, he's not interested in learning, it's because he feels no connection to it. Um, intellectual connection is a lower <laughs> level than feeling a connection because it's important, significant, relevant to me, and, and so on. The Beharavna includes getting a connection to it because this is important to me. The person who picks up the stack pages to look at it, it's because he knows that everything he owns depends on it. He needs to make a decision, sell, buy, you know, whatever it is. So, so we, we want, the Harevna is to get a, a, a connection to her. Yes? It comes from, uh, let me give you a, a muscle for it. A muscle. Okay. Um, we know, on the one hand, we say Hashem Echad. The, the 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 sentence that sums up our belief in Hakadosh Baruch is Hashem Echad. On the other hand, we say Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum Chanan Erech Apayim Rav Chesed Vemes Chesed and so on. Thirteen different descriptions that are at loggerheads with each other. Um, we speak about the Chashem Agdulov Agvurtfes, all different midas Hakadosh that are distinct. So the answer is as follows: the oneness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the true emes, but we need, we never, we can't understand how the God that that brought Auschwitz into the world brought such a wonderful Shef and Kalei The two things don't work together. 
we, 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 we understand each other. We understand there's an haga of mishpat, there's an haga of din, there's an haga of, of chesed, there's an haga of rachamim. We, we, to understand something, we look at it in different ways. Let me give you a marshal to, 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 to what he's saying. A marshal I think we can relate to. If let's say you, you, you give, a, a, let's say you, you stop a person on the street and ask him, what do you think the solution for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is? And the person answers, drive all the Arabs out. Or drive the Jews out. Whichever, whichever person you have to pick up. And that opinion can be said in two ways. Where that's the sum total of what the person ever thought, and that would make it a very, very low-level opinion. Or a person says, sit down, you have some time? Let's go through it. Here's the conflict, here are the different scenarios, here are the different possibilities, these are the advantages, disadvantages, why we should do this, why we should do that, and after all this, we've eliminated this, and this, that, this is the solution. That has a lot of weight to it, because it's not, it's not a bottom line when there's no top line, it's a bottom line of a long understanding that situations are complex, seeing it from different angles, understanding it different ways, and then we say, okay, so this must be Askarna. It's a difference between somebody passing because he only saw Ketzer Shemaruch, or somebody passing because he learned from an entire circuit, saw the Machlokas Nikmarim, Machlokas Rishonim, the different Shiks Nachronim, and then there's a bottom line that we come out with. So, so the complexity of Torah gives us the understanding the back and forth and the different... One way of looking is like this. One way of looking is like this. One way of looking is like this. When you come to a maskana, then there's emes to that. Yes? Um, you mentioned earlier that the reason the, that the yeshiva should be sort of step back from the religious science movement yeah. out of fear that it would be absorbed by the secular science yes. movement. 64 years after the founding, or almost 64 years after the founding of the state of Israel, I think it's fairly clear that that's not going to happen. I mean, religious Zionism is thriving, the yeshivish world is, and secular Zionism is too. Why haven't they taken a step back towards religious Zionism? So I think the feeling, again, I I don't know, I can't be exposed to everybody, I think the feeling is many elements, their sense is that religious Zionism, as it's espoused today, as it's understood today, has elements that are not right because... In other words, when are you? When, you, when does the state, the, the needs of the state, override halacha? How much of your perspective is is affected by the big whirlpool of what everybody believes, and therefore you swept along? It's very hard to set your own agenda and say we feel this or that, and still be part of something else. So, so there are many issues. Um, where the feeling is the idea that the state is um, as equally as important as the Torah, rather than being a manifestation of one of, of, one of the things that Kashprach wants from us, is significant. Um, in, in, in other words, I, I would say the significant point here is uh, is there an equ- a parity, or is the Pshat Torah is central, and Yishuvat Yisrael is one limb of that, and having a normal state that creates that Yishuv is a very important track way of it. And I think the sentiment is 
that it, it has been swallowed up to some degree emotionally and ashkafically in, and, in, and therefore very uncomfortable with it. But on the practical level, you know, at a practical level, I do think one, people live in a country, pe- I, I think there is a, 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 an osmosis. Um, I think like that, and Turkati thinks like that. So I think we're, we're on good grounds. That, you know, there's a sense people look at it as a, as a state, they look at it as normal, they look at it as positive. Whether they express it or not, I do think ideas flow through osmosis. Well, how could you reconcile the fact that I think history is sort of proven that without a Jewish state, the Jews won't fare well, and that in modern time, without a Messiah or a redemption of any sort, a Jewish state has to function in some secular way. I'm, well, on the first half of the statement, and again, I'm somebody who's a personally very cautious towards Israel. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it, it was for six years I commuted back because I didn't want to move my family to Chutzlaretz, and, and you know, at some point just um, But I don't believe that statement that for reasons of security and survival, the state is critical. God, I mean, you know, if, if somebody was selling life insurance, it would be cheaper for somebody living in the States or in New Zealand than somebody living here. It's not, I mean, we're precarious. We, we do live on this. Um, I mean, it, it, it's not, I, I, I don't believe, um, how far was Germany from taking over in World War II? I don't think there was a natural, I don't think it's natural that we'll survive better. Somebody else could make a good argument that having a thousand communities in a thousand different places gives better chance for survival. Um, I do think it's important to have a state. I do think it's important, a state I mean that if you're living in Israel and you, and you want to live in Israel and you want to be in Israel, you need to have a normal trappings, a functioning state. I, I, I mean, it's not a shtibel. You can't, a shtibel is not a place to live in. It, it's something that will take time, and I think people understand it. it, it I mean, down deep, if you were to ask people who are very Haredi, would you, what would you say if your party were to win a majority next election? And I think most people would quietly say, God forbid. You know, because I think they're well aware of the fact that, that this is a piece of the action they're missing. It's a piece of the action that when, when they formed that good Israel in Europe, German Jewry was kind of close to modern orthodoxy in some ways. Polish Jewry was Siddish, Lithuanian Jewry was, was Yeshivish. They were, they wanted German Jewry involved, not because they shared all that much ideology. I mean, they did, they shared the center mission, but they recognized that running an organization with any magnitude requires people that have something other than a stable mentality. You need process, you need structure, you, 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 you need things. And, and it's, it's a slow haul because the firm community, the Haredi community has not been used to it. I think it will happen. That's my feeling. I mean, let's check in 25 years now. Let's see somebody new, somebody in the back there. We're here to talk about very details. You know, it's interesting because I think it falls along the lines more of a deeper approach to halacha than anything else. There was, there is a reluctance in the Haredi community of things that have no clear enough basis in halachic world, but make a lot of sense for other reasons to, to get into it or not to get into it. One one way of looking at it is 
it doesn't take away from 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 the halacha. To, uh, even if let's say it's not the right chelus, you didn't really lose anything. There are fine indications that it makes sense to do it. The nature of the Haredi world is conservative. In other words, um, part of its strength and some of its weakness has been slow to make changes. Uh, there is an inertia that has served it well in many cases and has hampered in other cases. So that's why the post-skim in the Haredi world were kind of extremely, extremely um, indifferent to it. It's not, it doesn't, it, the Gemara doesn't fit all that well. We have no Messoras for it. Somebody's come along and claim with it. it the, the foot dragging is a normal part of it. And it's, it's, it's a part of a deeper psychology which again has worked well in many cases and has hampered it in other cases. You know? Yes, you Yes, you and this is uh, based off of, uh, I guess, Max's question. On a very theoretical level, um, because of the, I guess, the current situation where, like, in Israel, there are different communities from all around the world, um, at least on the British level, many, there are many different Ashkabas, many right. different Hagen have over centuries being those. Um, basically, is that, is, is the current situation where there is sort of like, you could enter a show and there are like five different Nusach series of davening on the, in, in the case measures or is that an ideal situation or would there come a time where all these different hugging would sort of have to be combined into a universal so, you know, there, there are two levels. On the one hand, in the, in the time of a base of Mikdash, there'd be a Besna Gadol, and they would decide all issues. On the other hand, the diversity of Shvatim is, is, is true, and I believe it's more than just where they lived and what business they took. I, I do believe a Hasidic davening brings out a certain nuance, a Sephardi davening brings out a certain nuance, a Taimani davening brings out a certain nuance, I, I mean, in Kabbalah they speak about different sha'arim of tefillah, and, and I think on the one hand it's maddening that there's so many different nuschals and you have to cater to so many different, you know, if you want to sell falafel, you need so many different echsherim, if, if you don't care about to buy the lousy eight, eight shekel falafel. But, but there is a beauty, in, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're true about it, you, you, you realize that every community has to offer something, the other one doesn't. I'm sure many of you have gone to a barrel of Farkafis or something, and I'm sure many of your Ashkaf is different, but you also have to admire the, the genuine warmth and fire and passion in the Dveikas and Mitzvahs and the Davning. And you walk down to Meyeshiva, and Ashkaf might be slightly different, but you have to admire the passion of learning and so on. And you have to come down here and admire people who, who are true professionals and, and in the front of the professions, unabashed about the Yiddishkeit, about the Torah, and I learn it. If you're a little open-minded and a little open-hearted, you say, you know, this is where I belong. Let me look at the beauty here. Let me look at the beauty here. Let me, let, let me take it in. I, I'm kind of horrified that we would all become one in the sense of, you know, homogenized. I would like to see people get along with each other and recognize why they need each other. And, and understand this is where I need to lean on him and this is where he needs to lean on me. But the, the, um, the, the sense of the, 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 the bickering about it and, and, and the me having to be better than you always is, is something that's bothersome. But the beauty... Yes? Sorry. Okay, next. Um, let us see if any new faces here. Sorry. Yes. They both talk about his yeshiva, but also maybe as an intro just to speak about 
what the Rishivas of Hashkapas are in terms of Torah and Darach Eretz, or how much value should Shabbat nowadays place on secular subjects when they're, when they're exposed to so many other things, how much, you know, how much secular subjects should they be involved in, and Obviously, with the, with the learning, so maybe it'll be a test after the should speak. Okay, I, 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 um, I guess that's what I'm here for, I suppose. But um, so, <laughs> and I guess I, I'll, ex, I'll express myself a little more freely about what I see things. Um, my, let me start with an anecdote again. I guess there was there was a leader of the National Religious Party named Dr. Josef Berg. Dr. Josef Berg was brilliant man. He, he was German. He studied in in um, in the in the seminar in the Rabbina seminar. He was the head of Mizrahi. He was a brilliant politician, brilliant, really really brilliant. People might know of his son of Romberg was very different. His son of Romberg is first of all, very very left wing, and of Romberg is also a very provocative person. His father was the master politician. He always was able to keep everybody together somehow, patching up things. And, and he, he was a, a, a really really exceptional person in that way. And someone asked him, Dr. Berg. The National Religious Party, right? National hyphen religious party. Which is really the more important segment? The national or the religious? And he answered the hyphen. And it, which is something that I disagree with. And my feeling is, and this is my shita and Ashkafa is, this, we say Hashem is Echot, which means he's not a hyphen. Hashem, there is one Elokos in the Bria. And, and our job is to become dovic in it, to express it, and so on. The primary tool for that is Torah. Learning it, practicing it, living it. But it's meant to take the entire world around. Kaddish Baruch didn't create one thing in the world that's not meant to be, um, that's not meant to be expressed, that the Torah is not meant to express in it. And therefore, a person's Growth should start internally, where a person a person develops by understanding, knowing Torah, passionate, and so on. And then a person needs to broaden for many reasons. A, Akash Baruch Hu made different people will have different roles in lives. One person be a farmer, one a doctor, one a rav, one a shochet, and one a tzaddik nister, and 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 one an army a, a, a soldier. Each and every person has a makom where talent, circumstance, and so on places him, and that's a tafkin. A person should be able to express his Torah in it. There is value in other knowledges because Torah comes to us. It's it, the world, just like everything in the world is 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 a levushan akadosh baruch hu. So too is a um, so too every. Any science that's true is an expression of a Kaddish Baruch. But, and let me tell you, and again, I know the Moisid here, it says on it, Gruss, it says on it, why you? I want to express a difference where, and, 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 an honest difference, and, and uh, um, something, just uh, an, another opinion. In my mind, uh, the institu- an institution like YU, if, if they were honestly pursuing Torah Mada in a way that, that is Torah, the Rabbanim and the heads of the university would sit down and they would decide what, what does the Torah want, what is needed to give a person that sense 
of Torah in the world. And we would choose the courses and disciplines that we honestly believe of making curriculum. If you take the curriculum of Harvard and, it, and just take it over wholesale, you're not making that decision. Harvard is not Derek Heretz of Torah. Harvard is Harvard. And, 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 and I, to honest Derek Heretz of Torah, Rav Shamsha Paul Hirsch, when he made his, his Torah in the Heretz schools, he set, he set the curriculum from A to Z. And he decided which poetry is good to read, and which poetry is also to read, and which poetry some people should read, and what the course of study. In, in other words, genuine, if, if Mada and their Heretz are meant to express it, what's a good profession to go into? Well, the world thinks... L- let me tell you something fascinating. Rebaran Kotler... I know this firsthand from a grandson. Rebaran Kotler was the Miasta of Lakewood. He was fired against college. And, you know, then he put in a sheet of learning without college. His daughter was brilliant. She was a, ge- she's, she was a genius in her life. Um, had a very troubled... She got divorced and was very troubled. And she wanted to go to university. And he agreed. And he said she can, she can go for any profession except for one. Would anyone give me a, a guess at what profession he felt w- she shouldn't go to school for? I, I have high doubts anyone would guess. Some people would say biology, evolution, this, that. Art. What? Art. I don't think everybody knew what art was. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no. And, and it, what? Psychology. No. Law. Yes. He said because it teaches you to lie. And Shekhar is the worst thing in the world. The only thing that's not redeemable is... is she, I think she actually did go to law school. She tried to... <laughs> she, 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 I, I, I know the family well. She, she, um, she, she tried to run... She, she, she was a politician. She ran for office. She was highly unsuccessful because she was a very honest person, ruthlessly honest. And she told everybody what they didn't want to hear, so, so it was a no-go. And uh, I mean, I, I know I know the grandchild, I know her children. Uh, we're, we're close friends. That's where I heard the story from from her from her son. From that the, the Zayda said anything but locus design. That's an expression of a Torah shkafa. In other words, it's for a lawyer does it is, is respectable. He sits in an office and he does that, and it's fine. And to have a shkafa, and it doesn't have to be the only shkafa, but really to have that shkafa and say, how is this profession doable? Is it is can I express Torah values in it. And it's a fascinating... So, so my personal sense is I think everyone needs the primacy of Torah. Um, let me tell you another anecdote, which again, I, I, I resonates well. This I heard from someone who heard it from the person himself. Um, I heard it from a chav of mine who heard it from an old man in Muncie in the 70s. When this person was 15 years old, he was, his father felt that he was very bright, and he took him to the Ur Sameach, for a pchina, and he asked him what should he do with him and he was hoping he would say his, he tested him he, obviously the boy was good but not fantastic Dosemer tested him and he told him he's not bad he could use another two or three years of learning and then find a malacha kalonekia for him to, 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 go, to go into his father went home he cried for three days and three nights that his son doesn't have what it takes to be a gadol, he sent him to him for two or three years and sent him on from Lachakal Nakia. This old man told my friend, what we're missing today are gadolim that will tell someone to learn for two or three years and then do Lachakal Nakia, and parents that will cry when you tell them your son can only be a very good doctor. He'll never make it as, as an other gadol. That's the second part that's missing. And it's a very hard balance. If you're honest, to be able to 
keep the fire of what's Emes and Iker in life, and yet to do what's right for you with the recognition that somewhere along the line it's the Moshe Rabbein on top of the mountain that's Emes, and you're kind of doing what Akashvach wants you to do, but it's, it's not there. That's, that's tough. And, and can I say we do it? L- let me tell you one of, one, of, one of the stories that moved me the most as a Machanach. We have boys, we have a handful of boys that are, went back to that of Fisher College and still still learning. Three of them had Chaburis in the mirror, um, and that's a pride. There are a handful, I would say a dozen or a dozen and a half, that, that have very successful Rabbanism in, in another dozen or so in Chinuch. That's a very, very big source of pride. One boy who was not any of those. He was a real live wire, full of life, fun. He was the kind of guy that just sort of held on to. I mean, he learned. He's smart. But it was always a struggle to keep him in one place in, at, at, you know, for a very long time. He was full of life, energetic, very geschmacken. We kept the cash up. He comes from a very poor family. His parents are very, very poor. They're mechanchim. And they literally have no bread on the table. He went to work for himself. First of all, he, he needed to work. He, he didn't have any money, and also his personality was that just so many years we'd learned, we still kept very close. Like, all tell me to keep very close. He calls me up one day, he was in New York, and he says, I'm in a business. He does very well. Um, it was an internet business run by Orthodox people. And he feels what they're doing borders on Gzela. Certain very dishonest practices. What do I think? I should pass them. And he, and he, and he told me what they do. So I started scratching my head, and I said, okay, so what's your role in it? And do you actually tell a person X, and this, and that? And I, I kept trying to figure out where does a Pesach to tell them that it's okay to do it. Very soon into the process, he told me, Rebbe, if, it if it's not glut, if it's as complicated as that, then I'm not interested in it. And he quit. He quit without knowing where next month's rent is going to come from. He quit knowing that his parents are sitting in a town someplace waiting for, for, for some of his money. And he said, if it's not honest, it's not for me. If you need that level of complication to, to try to weasel a head around for me, I'm not going there. He, he got a job the same night, and that's, I, that part of the story doesn't, you know, I, I, I'm not, that part of the story, I don't, you know, the, that my first part of it's not important. What's important is, so this is an example of Torah and Herz. Where the person over there is able to walk away from something, I might have, if I would have asked enough questions, maybe I would have gotten to some point where I could figure out if you do X but not Y, not responsible for Z, maybe with the evidence, it's not a problem. But he said, it's not right. This is not the life I want to live. And it can't be this that Kosh wants from me. That takes a lot. We have one of our students who's um, brilliant. He was really, he's, he's, he's very, very smart. He finished Brown University and came to us, learned about five years. Then he went to law school. He still lives in the community. He says a share every night. And he had a really difficult choice. He could work private in a private law firm, make a lot of money, live nicely. But basically, it means there's no real quality time for himself or for his family. Or he could work for the government where the salaries top in the hundred, the early hundreds, hundred twenty, hundred thirty is basically as far as you get. Unless, yeah, I mean, a head of a department might make the one fifty. It's really not, not. And he has can have four kids, going to school, tuition and stuff. But he has a life, and he and he and he agonized. And other people told him, Nah, it's it's no money, it's peanuts. You have to go private and that. And for, and he sat and he worked it through, and he told me, you know, he thought long and hard about it. He said, I'm not going to sell my life away. 
He said, whatever it needs to make do, it's, it's doable on, on the salary. It's, it's always tight. I, I, I have no perks because I'm a lawyer. I have no expectations because it takes for Chalamoyed. But that's turn to Harris. When you make those tough decisions uh, and apply it, and, and I would hope that that's the, the type of message. It's not enough to say, we'd like you also to be a lawyer. We'd like to be a real mentor when you're a lawyer. And, and we have to make some very... It's easier to be poor as a cold person than as a lawyer. Because people have Rahmanis on a cold person who's poor. They have no Rahmanis on a lawyer who's poor. When you come and say, I'm a Rebbe, you could have a, 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 a tuition reduction, then people will say, oh, of course. If you come and say, I'm a lawyer, could I have a tuition reduction? <laughs> people say, go work. You know, like, like I, I didn't tell you to work for Uncle Sam. I mean, the, you know, there's a 600,000 job waiting. Why you make only 150? I should pick up the tab for you. You know, this guy has got a long beard. He's a Rebbe, okay. But, you know, the, it, you face that. And it's a big mystery. And, and so, Baruch Hashem, it's, it's something that that um, it, 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 we, we, we would like, you know, people spend about, on the average, about five years in yeshiva, and, we, and what we like to see is a tremendous amount of growth, and, and, and there's a sort of bridging, they sort of, a lot of people settle around the yeshiva, and as they're getting into real life, and they're facing so many issues, we're there, they feel connected to yeshiva, connected to rebbeim, and, and this is really where the testing ground is, whatever you've learned here is the beginning. Any questions? Yes. Um, okay, so according to my understanding, um, so the, the mitzvah of having Torah on our mind is constant, right? Yeah. And so I was wondering if you could speak about how do we know... I, I don't know what the early schedule is. I mean, I don't... Whatever those... You know, I, 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 if you... Okay, I mean, I, I, you know, I can go. It's just, I, if you're interested, I'm, I'm fine, yes. Um, how do we I mean, by the way, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with the caliber of curiosity and the honesty of the questions and, and the, um, you know, the scope of the questions. It, it, it really says a lot about the group. I mean, it is a very impressive time. I must tell you, I, I am very impressed. Yes? Okay, fine. Okay, yes. How do we know the point at which we should be learning to our and the point where we're taking a break for a spell? The further question, how do we know um, if it's laziness that's encouraging a certain decision or not. And like you said, if you learn 100 lot, you should learn 200. So shouldn't that be the mindset of the keep, go, go, go? And to even further that, um, the more we learn, the more God will help us in our learning, right? It's, it's, it's linear in the sense Let me tell you something. The Rambam says that just like there are rofei aguf, there are rofei nefesh, and the person should consult chachamim about inyanam of mitos. So, someone's asked, well, isn't that obvious? It's, it's just like, if you don't know Hilcha Shabbos, you, you ask somebody who knows Hilcha Shabbos. Why on Midas does it say it differently? So, I once thought as follows. It's possible to learn Hilcha Shabbos and, and, to, and to make your own decisions. It, it, you know, a person can pass him himself if he's a bar and it's, and so on. Midos, you can never, ever test yourself and, and really know are you midas often now? you can't. If you think your computer has been infected by a virus, the computer will not be the good the, 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 the instrument to tell you if it's infected by a virus or not. You'll you'll take an outside disk or connect it some outside thing. And it's going to look at on personal decisions in general. Unless you have a rebbe or a good chava, let's take an example. A person pushes himself, like you say. Am I obsessive compulsive, or am I just Trying to get the best out of myself. 
If you're obsessive-compulsive, you're going to think about yourself that I'm lazy and just trying to get the best out of myself. That's how your mind is going to work. You need to someone else to say, listen, I really see on you, it's an obsession. It's not healthy. And, and you, need to, you need somebody to calibrate your, 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 your own mechanism. The job of, of a rub on personal growth is to take care of those issues. Anything that we're walked in, we're going to see a straight. A ruler that's bent will, will always be telling you it's straight because it's a straight edge. So you need something else. It's, there's nothing as important as having a Rebbe in the sense, a mentor, that can tell you these things. He can tell you, listen, you, you can push yourself a little bit more, and you need to push yourself a bit more, or it's not healthy. You, you, you don't allow yourself to breathe, you don't allow yourself to, to, to be natural, and, and you just have some sort of mechanism of being a guilt conscious or obsessiveness or whatever it is. The, the bottom line is, in, in, in growth and personal growth and so on, a rav is the most important thing, simply because it's the one area that you can't do yourself. You, art scroll can even get you a shalmi. You can even learn your shalmi through art scroll. You can never learn about yourself. When you read books, self-help books in psychology, the problem is, but you're the nutcase. So, 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 so you know, it, 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 it says the Heilige book, if a person's overly paranoid about people around him, he, he's paranoid, borderline, whatever it is. I say, I'm not overly concerned. I'm, 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 I'm with a bunch of criminals here. This not, I, I, I wouldn't call this overly paranoid. This is, you know, everyone's out to kill me. So, so, so you know, the, the, the problem is, it's the, you know, it's, it's the one area where you need a person. And, and that's why a yeshiva, wherever yeshiva chooses to, ask yourself, do I have a rebbe there that I can touch base with? You don't have to ask every narrative, but in the general, somebody that will, that will help you ask yourself, you know, when those important questions, what should I be doing with myself? Where am I going? Do I need to be sort of evened out on that? Asel Harab, I think, is a, is a very, good, uh, very good way to end the, the session with but and once again, I'm very, very impressed with Dailov. And you should very much learn and, and learn as much as you can. And, 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 and there's no terrible affairs that's just real. It would be awesome. It, 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 it would be because it's a bit sassy. I, I don't know if it's a thing. It's a bit sassy to wear it. So, what is the record? It would be 100% proven. Yes, yes, the answer to that would be yes. The problem is, it's, it's a tourism difficult to get the guitar to fit. But the reality doesn't mean this or mean that. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that may be called. I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 if it slips into one group and the problems are creative, it will start spreading. And that's why I think we should, you know, it's funny to wait and see. I mean, Hasidus had a lot of his nights, and then it became part of mainstream. So.
What's your name? Shmuel Berger. Where are you from? Rockway? New York? Yes. Where did you go for high school? Unfortunately, Hebrew Academy. Um, retrospect, I actually left there a year early. I should be in 12th grade right now. I, just, I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't a good place to be. So, um, retrospect, I probably should have gone to the issue of Greater Washington. But um, actually, two questions. First of all, with regards to your issue about the summer, does it have... Um, there are people living in the summer. It, it, a big part of the SIBO stays in the summer. If you come in the summer, we'd be very happy to accommodate you. Is it an all-day thing, or is it just possible if you... In the summer, the, each Seder is there. You know, it is the morning Seder, the noon Seder, you do one or the other. Um, are you going to go for Pesach or not? No. You're not going to summer. So call, call when you're there, and, and there are enough people around right. that, that that is a real Seder going on. It's most of the summer. And it's easy enough to get there. So. Yeah. But um, actually, I have a question. So we in Shemini and then in Yumai, just about being a big issue with regards to Avera. Right. And then everyone nowadays, though, everyone always always talking about, oh, when you eat bugs, Tim Tonelay. Eat bugs, Tim Tonelay. Everyone really focuses on Tim Tonelay with regards to eating bugs. And then in Parshas Mishpat, and the um, Ramban, uh, Ramban focuses in on says that when you eat, um, when you eat non-kosher, when you eat treif, then that's tumtumalev. So why do we have such a huge focus on tumtumalev with the rest of bugs, and Ramban only focuses in on the treif instead of the I, I think it's because it's just an historian of outdoors, so people like to bring in the argument. People feel that the real trade people today are not so. Very few people order shrimp unless they're really not from bugs. Feels okay, it's lettuce and nuts. I think it's used more to get people in a certain direction. But it's not about trade. The big, the big team to live is correct. So, how is it coming from Avero to that really specific case? That's my. I mean, I just. I understand. They feel because they're.